Hey, good morning. How are we doing? Merry Christmas. Let's stand up together. Good morning to those that are joining us online. Have we come this morning to worship our King? We're going to sing a song about our newborn King, Jesus.
Philippians 2, verse 8, says this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. Did you see him in the manger this morning? Humbled, the king of the world brought down low, and it says in scripture, for our sake. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of what he did, because of the cross, because of the cross, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's King Jesus, King Jesus. It says in Micah, that as in, un, under his reign, that there is healing, that it says that he has healing in his wings. It's a promise for his people that he brings healing that just covers. And maybe this morning, that's what you need. You need healing from the savior, from the risen king, from the newborn king. So we're gonna sing these words. And I think just in the exaltation of him, just ask him, Lord, you are the king, would you come and heal? Would you come and resurrect? Would you come and restore? There might be emotional trauma or physical trauma or pain that you've endured over this past year. And I think as we exalt him, the one that has healing in his wings then makes himself low and ministers to us. Let's sing these words. All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. All join the angels and singing praise to him lift him to hail him means to lift him up it means to raise a praise to him we sing it again Isaiah 9, it says that, that the government rests on his shoulders, that he's the one in control and in power. And, and the best part of it is it goes on to say that he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. And that's his reign. That's his reign this morning in the hearts of his people, that he's a healing king, that he's a restoring king. And so this morning, we're gonna sing one more praise to him, raising our voice to him for how good he is and how good he wants to be in this moment to us. We sing it out. Raise our voice to him. Lord, we praise you for your reign and your rule. Bring your kingdom here in our hearts, Lord. Lord, I intercede and just ask that in our hearts this morning, in my heart, in the
the hearts of those here, the hearts of those that are at home, Lord, would you, would you take your healing wings and just begin to cover us with your healing and your restoration? We praise you, Lord, for your control. We praise you, Lord, that you are in control, that, you, that we can rest in your power and your presence and your, your throne. And that when you speak, authorities move, principalities move, darkness is broken. So we worship you, King Jesus. We praise you. Have reign in this place this morning. We submit and surrender to you, King Jesus. Have reign here in our hearts. We surrender again as your people. pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So glad you're joining us this morning. Uh, just, uh, it's been uh, obviously a different year, but I hope your Christmas season's going really well. I hope um, you've been able to do some of the fun things that maybe you've done in the past and obviously center your heart on, on Christ through this. Uh, if you are new in this room or even online, uh, we want to invite you to take out your phone right now and text the word welcome to the number that you see on the screen. And over the next few days, one of our staff will be in touch with you just to get to know you a little bit better, even answer questions uh, that you may have. Uh, we'd love to be able to do that. Also, you can text the word updates to that same number, and uh, we'll get you on a text list that if anything changes last minute at the church, we, obviously we're in uncertain times, we want to be able to get word out really quickly. And so that text list, we promise that we won't send out uh, regular messages, but it is an emergency text list. And so if you want to be on that, take your phone out, uh, text the word updates with an S at the end to that number, and we'll get you on that list, okay? Um, on Thursday this week, we are going to have our Christmas Eve services, and it's going to look a little different this year. A few weeks ago, our staff got together, and we were uh, really uh, just, we felt strongly that we needed to be together. We weren't sure what the county was going to do with the, the color coding uh, come Christmas Eve, and we just decided we have to be together to celebrate Christ's birth uh, with our church family. And so we made the decision to take our church uh, Christmas Eve service out outdoors. And so it's going to look a little different this year. Uh, we're going to simplify some things and just really focus our hearts around Christ. Uh, but that's at 5 p.m. Uh, you can drive in for that service or you can bring some chairs and sit out. Uh, also, 30 minutes before that service starts, we're going to do just some uh, simple festivities. There's going to be hot chocolate, a photo station, some other fun things uh, that you can be a part of. So if you want to come a little bit early, grab hot chocolate, hang around, and just enjoy the Christmas season outdoors, uh, come for that. So uh, we uh, uh, really are just looking forward to being together. There's so much about this season that's been uh, unknown and, and weird, and yet it's just going to be special to light some candles and worship together. Um, Tonight, Reality 139, our youth group is back on. They're back in business. And so at 6 p.m., they're going to be in here in this room. So if you're a teen in middle school or high school, come and join. It's going to be a fun night. It sounds like they have a lot planned. If you can't be a part of that, I think they're also doing a Zoom option. So uh, check out Pastor Len sent some information out, but check that out. Uh, see if you can find that information. If not, I, I believe Pastor Len's in this service. So go find him, and he'll catch you up to speed on that. Also, out in the lobby, we've got giving envelopes that you can pick, out, uh, pick up as you leave. So I know a lot of you have signed up for that. Uh, as you're headed out, they'll be out there. Uh, so feel free to grab those as, as we go into next year. You'll have those in hand uh, and, uh, and be able to use those for giving. Uh, also, uh, our, our final thing, Alpha is kicking back up uh, in January. And so uh, we're just inviting you to come to that. It's going to be online. They're going to be moving out of the building. Uh, and there's multiple options to be a part of that. It will be online, but we're also asking some people to host if they're willing to host groups in their, in their house. And so, uh, or anywhere else that, that maybe you'd want to host. But uh, uh, if you want to 
to be a part of that. It starts the week of January 18th, and uh, Alpha is a ministry that allows non-believers to come in and ask questions and just begin to wrestle with faith and maybe questions about Jesus and get to know uh, who he is a little bit better. And so uh, if you have someone in your life or if you're wrestling with that, um, come to that, sign up for that. You can go through our website to get more information about it uh, and also through our website to sign up for that uh, if you want to attend or if you want to host as well. All right. Uh, so last week, Pastor Scott shared, we have someone in our congregation named Lori Beal. Lori, if, if you've been in Wadsworth for any time, you probably know Lori because she's ministered to so many in our community. Uh, and uh, over the last few weeks, she won a prize. Mazda gave her a Mazda convertible for all of the uh, ministries that she's been a part of and all the things that she's done, which is an incredible thing. And uh, she, she works specifically with the garage ministry. And the garage is in Wadsworth here. They minister to at-risk teens as well as young families that, that are in need. And so we just, we just want to take time to pray for three things that you're going to see on the screen uh, and just cover them with intercession this morning. So uh, if you want, pull out your phone, snap a picture of that. You can pray for them throughout the week. Christmas time um, is uh, sometimes extra hard for the population that comes through the garage just for different reasons, financial reasons and other things. And so uh, we just want to lift them up in prayer and lift also Lori and, and her uh, co-workers up in prayer as well. So let's go before God for that. Jesus, uh, you are the light of the world. Shining in the darkness, Lord, a hope for the hopeless. And so Jesus, we ask very specifically that you would right now cover those that come through the garage ministry, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, begin to minister to their hearts. We pray specifically for two families that are struggling with finances right now that Lori had mentioned. Lord, we just ask that you would provide through your, through your people that are your hands and feet, Lord, would you provide, or through miraculous means, would you send someone their way to care for them? Lord, would you provide the things that they need through this Christmas season and beyond, Lord? We ask, Lord, for those that are struggling with anxiety and depression, Lord, in the darkness of this year uh, has only made it worse, God, but you are God of hope, you are God of healing. Lord, I've seen it in my life throughout this year. You heal and you restore. You restore what's been broken. You restore the things that have been eaten and taken. And so God, would you restore and would you guard them and heal them, Lord? Heal their mind and their heart. Heal the anxiety and the depression that's trying to hang, Lord. And Lord, would you do what only you can do? Do miraculous things in those families and in those people. God, we surrender to you. Show us as a church how we can be a part of that, how we can enter into darkness, Lord. Make ourselves uncomfortable like you did. Make ourselves low like you did and serve, Lord. Show us where and how. Lord, I pray for Lori. I just ask that you would mentor and heal her, that you would strengthen her, that you would continue to equip her for the work ahead of her with strength, with power, with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We praise you for all that you've done through her. Give her a fresh filling this morning of your spirit. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Jake. Good to see you on stage. We had a scare last week. Jake was home on Tuesday, like, really bad sick. And we're all like, uh-oh. And then he wasn't. He got tested. He got tested. Came back negative. So, good to see you, man. Um, Hey, uh, great having you guys here. Great uh, for those joining online. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing how much we're used to now 
changing schedules, are we in, are we out, whatever, come, don't come, and um, just adapting, but there's something about just how important it is just to be gathering um, in person, online, uh, connecting and worshiping our God. Um, I just, I was, I'm reading through the Bible again, and uh, was just uh, going through Exodus and Leviticus, and how much, it was just, it struck me how much God stresses that day, that Sabbath day towards him. Like, it is all over Exodus, it's all over Leviticus, and he stresses this idea of your life and my life needs to be centered around him, and this day, this time that we give, it's not, it's not often, I think we think, well, is it, um, is it something we're supposed to get out of it, and it's all about, oh, was that the good music, or was that a great message? It is, it is an act of worship, a declaration, whether you're in, at home right now or in this room saying, no, my life is centered around him. And, and even if I am here and, and there is nothing like what I'm taking out of it, it is there, what I'm bringing into this is worship. And what I'm bringing into this is an acknowledgement that my life is centered around God, period. And the best thing I could do is to sit and just be in his presence. Um, so on, if you're home doing it, if, if you're here, glad. There, there's, I'm just glad you're, you're part of it. Um, it's just so critical. It's something about this. We get life. We get spiritual life as we're in his presence and, and worshiping him. Uh, we've been, obviously, we're a couple days away from Christmas, and, and you've, we've sung some songs here. And there's this famous declaration that an angel made to uh, the shepherds. I think we all kind of know it. I've heard it over the years, maybe. And it says this, uh, when Jesus was born, an angel came to these shepherds out in the field, and he said, fear not, for, I, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Uh, Rich Mullins was one of my favorite uh, Christian artist when I was growing up in junior high and high school in the 80s and, and 90s. And uh, if you didn't know Rich, Rich was kind of this, um, he was more like a hippie uh, than anything. And, and he was just like all about Jesus and, and calling the church to get rid of the hypocrisy and all that stuff and just, just follow hard after Jesus. And uh, he was at a concert one time and, and, and as he tells the story, it was a great concert, and there was just a buzz to it. Everybody was in it, and it was just, you know, everything gelled. It was a great night. So he got done, and he got out of his concert clothes, just put on his normal, just like comfortable clothes, which for Rich was typically an old, worn-out T-shirt and ripped jeans. And, and Rich, if you don't know Rich Mullins, he had really long hair, um, stringy black hair. He was just... Uh, yeah, imagine that guy is kind of a hippie, and he's so he goes out of the concert venue, and he's he's just walking with a friend, and there's all these students coming out of the venue that had just happened, right? They'd been part of the concert, they didn't recognize that it was Rich Mullins right there, and they started laughing at him the way he looked, and one of the kids said, "What a crazy old bum," and and Rich heard this thing, and it really it. it the way he described it, he says, I, it hurt, like it hurt. Like we're at a concert here, and then 
five minutes later, half an hour later, I'm outside, and the same people who are all like, oh, yeah, 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 who don't know who I am, but look at me and don't recognize me and say, oh, that guy's like a crazy, weird dude. Ew. Let me ask you something. Where do you, or where do I, get our idea, our grid, for determining whether someone has worth or not? How do we determine whether someone matters or not? And whether they should matter to everyone else? It's an important uh, question our, our culture is asking. I was listening to um, a podcast. Actually, I listened to him a lot, but Tim Keller, I don't know if you guys know him. He's a, he's a retired pastor out of Manhattan who preaches at uh, Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Phenomenal, phenomenal leader, preacher, and uh, I've listened to him over the years. Um, so this is one of his big themes because he talks about identity a lot. He, he's really big on that, and he's just... He's crystallized it um, in such a way that it's, it's so compelling when he talks about it. But uh, he was being asked, um, he just retired, so he's uh, in his late 60s, or I think early 70s, and uh, somebody was asking him, hey, how, if you could go back and reach Manhattan now versus when you started back in the 60s, how would you, what would you see as the main thing that people are talking about that you would somehow try to build a bridge with the gospel or with this message about Jesus and try to, try to make it? make it hit their heart, communicate in such a way that they understand. He says, oh, he says, this is probably where I would go. And um, he talked about this idea that identity right now is the big buzzword. It's kind of the, uh, it's the money of the culture, right? It's the, it's the value. It's, it's the big thing that everybody's, everybody's trying to figure out and trying to process. And he says, if I was trying to get into people's lives. He says, I would be looking at identity and, and how do I build a bridge with identity? And he said, in our culture, the real mantra of our day is you can build your own identity. So you go choose whatever identity you have, you claim it, you create it, you live for it, go for it. If it's true for you, do it, right? So everyone can pick and choose whatever their identity is and, and, and live it out. Pick your racial identity. Pick your, uh, I would say, the, the culture, the subculture. There's so many subcultures within this that you could go pick that. Pick your sexual identity. Pick any identity. Create it. You're in charge of it. No one else could tell you what to do. No one else should shame you for, for choosing that. In fact, you could start to yell and scream at people if they shame you for it. And then you, you see the other side of it. The culture is now yelling and screaming at people who aren't true to it. But this identity piece and who, who you choose to be is so big. But the problem with that is if you and I start to choose our own identity create our own identity, it, it creates a problem. And the fact of it is that you and I have to maintain it. So if you pick your identity, it's up to you to make sure that your identity keeps going on. No one else is going to do that for you. 
It becomes really, you, everybody says, oh, you're free to do this. Well, yeah, yeah, you're free to do that. Everybody's free to do that, sure. So you open that door into freedom. The problem is, and I've got an imaginary line. I had the video guy say, I can't go beyond this line. So am I still in? Okay. Um, the problem is if you, you open this door that says, oh, yeah, I'm free to do identity, right? So you open it, you walk into what you're walking into is a new life of slavery, because you're now slaves, or I am now a slave of the identity that I have just created. Does that make sense? Every waking minute becomes a concerted effort to make sure our identity is solid, is making us feel worthy, is making us feel like we matter, and is actually communicating to everybody else that, no, we, we do have worth and we do matter. That's what we have to do every waking moment. So it's, a, it's yeah, you're free. We're free to open the door and step right in to enslavement, to a master that's ruthless. Because if you stop or if I stop caring for our identity and making sure our identity is going forward and it's got worth and it matters, the moment we stop, the moment it starts to fall apart because nobody else is doing it. No one else is ensuring that it's going to happen. And the problem is, after a while, if you let it go, you start to feel depressed because it's, well, I, I, your identity isn't what it, I guess it was, and it starts to fall apart, and, and you start to be disappointed. You start to feel shame. You start to feel de- defeat because you can't live up to what you know you, you've created, that you wanted it to be this, and it's not that. And the problem is it, it brings shame. And then you have people who start to yell and scream, oh, you're not living up to that. Shame on you. You should be doing more because whatever, A, B, and C. The problem is that, that identity, it never takes away the guilt. I don't know if you thought about that, the, the guilt that, okay, so we got this identity, we walked in, yeah, we're going to be this, but it never takes away the guilt that's always there of the things that we've done that we wish we could somehow wipe away. It, it'll never die for any of our sins. That identity that we create, it, it won't die. Let me ask you a question. When, when you think about identity and the identity you could create, what kind of authority does that have? The identity that we've somehow cobbled together, does it have authority to like enforce it upon yourself? Do, do other people have to believe it? Do other people have to see it as true or is it just true for you? And, and that's as far as the authority goes of this thing. How about how long Will this identity last? Is it something that'll last a week and you change your mind? So, well, that's not a great identity to have. Does it last 10 years? Maybe 20 years? And then it stops? Well, then what have you done for 10 or 20 years? That's your identity. Now it's gone. So who are you? If that's the essence of who you are and that identity was telling you that you matter and that you have significance and now it's just gone after 20 years? I think we'd want something that would last longer, right? Be lifelong, maybe actually something that would endure for all time. Something that lasts beyond our life. 
how true is it, right? Is, is it true just for you? Is it true uh, for everyone who sees you? Or they just go, no, that's not true. Is it true across the city? Is it true across the state? Is it true across our country? Or is it just true in your mind? Or my mind? Because we've just said it's true, but... I mean, does it really, does it last until we're, is it true until we're a certain age? <laughs> you know, it's interesting, when, when you're younger, it's like, oh yeah, that's, you have worth, matter. you're the young, that's what everybody wants, and then the older you get, the less, you get in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, and the culture's like, oh, you're getting old, we want to go for the, the young, right? So the old don't matter, but the young do. Like, what? We're the ones that have to maintain it. We're the ones that have to keep this together. And we never think about these questions about how much authority does this have? How long does this last? Is it really true? And we're just, we'll take pictures 80 pictures of one moment, right? Get, get the right moment to convince the world that we matter. And that we're significant so that we have worth, right? And, and meanwhile, we're trying to communicate people we're not that insecure that we need to take 100 pictures of one moment to find the right one. Some of you are waiting to hear that you matter, or that you have worth from your mom or dad, because you never did. Maybe you're in your 30s and 40s, you're still waiting. I, I've met people in their 70s that are still waiting for that moment to hear that from their mom or dad that you matter. How do we understand this idea that people matter and have worth? If you study world religions, so let's go to Islam, big one, right? If you go to Islam, your identity is something that is earned. The way you find out whether you matter or that you have worth is you earn it. You've got to work for it and work and work and work, hoping that you will one day see that you matter because you've earned it. You go to Hinduism. Hinduism is the same thing. You've got to work your way and be this good person that earns, you know, towards karma so that you come back in the next life better. So you know you've earned it. And if you didn't, then, well, you deserve what you get and you come back and it's a horrible thing and you just continue this cycle of trying to earn your way up. Take Buddhism. Buddhism takes a lot of work. Buddhism is this whole thing of achieving nothingness, right? But you got to work towards it. you got to work towards selflessness and, and diminishing emotions and feelings, and that's all just whatever. And you got to work at it, work at it, until you achieve this state of being where you're above it all. Do you realize Christianity is the only faith system in the world where your identity is not earned, it's given. Your identity, if you, if you follow Christ, your identity is not earned, it's given. Now think about that and the implications of it. 
It, the timing of this sermon was intentionally the Sunday before Christmas. Because this declaration here, what, what Christ did was come to earth, and this angel says it, this is good news to you, these shepherds, right? Ironically, I mean, this is the perfect moment that sets it up beautifully, right? Because the shepherds were the outcasts. The shepherds were told by society, you don't matter. You have no worth. In the first service, I was talking about this, and I kind of stumbled through it, but uh, I was reading through Genesis and Exodus, and there's this moment where there's a famine in the land. Egypt is, uh, Joseph is in Egypt, and, and if you don't know Bible history, uh, you may kind of get lost, but hopefully you catch this little big piece. God had Joseph in Egypt, second guy in control, and, and had prepared Egypt for a famine. So they had grain stored up everywhere, famine hits all around, and, and Joseph's family, which is, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, and Jacob and his 12 sons and 11 sons and all their kids. So family's up in Israel, right? And famine, the famine comes, and the family says, oh, we gotta come down here. So they come down here, and there's this moment, which is so interesting, the Egyptians don't want anything to do with them because they're shepherds. So here they are in Egypt, total social outcast. The Egyptians look at them and kind of like, well, yeah, you can have the best land because we love Joseph, but you guys, you're shepherds. You're like gross. You have no worth. Please live away. Don't eat with us. And here's what happens. I love the turning, even though the tables you know, thousands of years later, here comes this angel that comes to these shepherds and says, Behold, I bring you great news, or good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For to you, you shepherds who don't matter, according to this world, a Savior has been born to you, the Messiah, the Lord. Philippians chapter 2, Paul describes the behind-the-scenes moment. What actually happened when Jesus came? In Philippians 2, it says this. Jesus, who though he was in form God, that he was essentially God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Meaning, there, there's just no way any person on this planet was ever going to be in the presence of God. But he emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. And he humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see why... Uh, you're making the connection between this value, why talk about it today with Christmas coming? It's because Christ himself comes for you. Good news for all people, for a Savior has been born to you. And, and what this communicates, when we talk about every person matters and has, or every person matters and has worth, it, it, it's rooted in the story of Christmas, of Christ coming because why he loves us and, and you matter, the singular, not even just the plural, you, singular, one person matter and have worth. 
And he gave up his throne, and he gave up the expression of his deity. He gave up his right to wipe people out for insulting him, for beating him, for putting him on the cross. He, he gave all that up to save and redeem. It makes Christmas, it changes the way we even view Christmas to think that every person matters. So he comes, and that means this is for me, this is the gift. See, we're free to open a door, right, and choose in one sense, because he says, if you will believe on me. We have, we have that invitation to believe. We open this door, and Christ saying, if you open this door for me, I'm going to, you're going to step into something that is unlike anything else in this entire world. You're going to step into an identity. I'm going to give you an identity. Think about it. The, the one person in the entire universe whose name is worthy is saying to you or to me, you are worthy. And no one can take that away. No one can steal it. When we, when we go to bed at night, it's still there in the morning. When he commands it, it happens. When he speaks it, it's truth. And he declares by his birth as he comes here that you are worth it. You're worth my life. I will lay down my life for you. But what, what's important to understand is as Christ does this, I think often we mix up the order and we think what Christ is doing is now revolving his kingdom around us. Like he comes and he gets it around our life and that's just not how it works. What he does is he comes and he pulls us into his life and his kingdom. And he does one of the craziest things ever that you think this, this isn't bad, this is not good, right? This is painful, but he says, I'm gonna strip everything away from you that you would find worth in, that you would find that matters so that I can give you the one thing, me and, and my voice and what I say is worth and what I say has value and what I say matters, I'm gonna declare that over you and you're gonna find that that is all you need. That's all you need is to hear God say, you matter to me. That's all I need. He'll give us a new identity, a new nature. He says, you're a new creation. Old things are gone. I'm going to give you a new, new thing, a new nature. And that's why this is one of our values here at our church, is every person matters and has worth. Why? Because each one of us who follows Christ has encountered that, or Lord willing, will encounter that and understand that every person matters. Every person has worth. Because he's first done this to me He's done this to so many of you in this room. And that's why even on a Sunday morning, whether you're at home or, or on the car or you're right here, that you're actually carving out time to just be in the presence of the one who was worthy. And knowing, just being in his presence, 
It, it does something for us. It, it's, it's hard to explain because it's a spiritual reality, but we walk away, and, and what happens? Our worth, our worth hasn't changed, but our worth, we're more aware of it because we're in the presence of the one who is worthy, and he says, you matter to me. And, and nothing about life could have changed outside of us, but inside, it's, it's, it's okay. It's why you'll find at Freshwater, there's not really a, a great ladder of success or fame. There's no fancy seat to sit in. Because it's just, when you're in the kingdom of God, it's, it's not about trying to build up your own identity. We've already got one. We're good. We're really good. And it's amazing when you think about what God does. So he speaks this thing, and you and I don't have to do one thing to maintain it or to keep it. Because it's, it's true. He says this thing about us, and it's true. And I say that in the sense of... Uh, that does not mean, just hear me on that, <laughs> that does not mean that we don't then go and live this life out of that, of obedience. I, I, hear me say that. But Paul goes through great lengths to say, this is all by grace, through faith in Jesus. It was never earned in that sense. It's never earned. It's given. And I think that's, that's one of the things at, at Christmas. If you're listening to this thing, if you're sitting in this room and, I, I, and you're saying, I, I don't know if I've ever heard that. I don't know if I've ever heard God tell me, like, I matter to him. That he sees me as having worth and, and his presence and his word spoken over me. He can declare that. And, and one word from him saying I matter? If you've never heard that, God wants to speak that to you. He does. So often uh, over the years, um, I used to talk a lot when I met with people and, and did counseling and, you know, um, I don't do as much counseling and I don't talk as much as I used to. The older I've got, the longer I've been in this, the more I realize people really don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from God. And I have seen, I have seen years of trauma and pain healed in a moment when God says, I love you to someone. And says, you're going to be okay to someone. And I notice you, and I see you, and you matter to me. Like, I have seen so much pain get washed away in that one moment. And the person, nothing has changed, and yet the person is forever changed. And that's why as a church, when we see people come in and we're a part of this church, it's not about climbing something. It's about, it's about stories of serving. It's about stories of loving people and caring for people. 
There's, there's someone in our church, I, I love this, I got choked up when they said, look, I, I, don't, I can't speak, I'm not a teacher, I'm not good with people, like, you know, out there in the foyer, I don't like the foyer thing, but what I'm good at is I can make cards, and I send it to people who are hurting. I mean, that's this messenger from God sending notes out to say, you matter. That, that's our culture. So when people come in, we, we want people, we want this to be the buzz of our church, that people matter and have worth, every single person. Because Christ came, and, and it's the personal, singular good news for you. Jesus came for you. You matter to him. I invite the team to come up. Uh, we're going to sing a song um, and it's right out of scripture. It's just songs. It, it, it has these words and phrases of, of Jesus saying, this is who I say you are. This is your identity. And uh, it's, it's not something we're creating. That's the great thing about this. It's something just taken right out of the word of God. And I invite you to, as you're listening to this, whether you sing and join in or you just let the words, and really it's the words of Christ, just kind of wash over you and let it restore your heart. Let him speak to your heart here over these few minutes. There's a place for 
just take a minute and begin to let God heal the deep wounds in your life, the deep places that have caused you to miss his identity that he has for you. Just before we close, let him minister to you. Just as I play, just, just take your deep wounds, the deep places to him and let him take the healing wings that he has and cover you. get to speak all the truth over our life. No other voice gets rain in our life, only your voice, Jesus. We surrender to your voice and your truth. We praise you, Lord, for what you've done, how you made yourself low to bring us into your family, to redeem us, and now we're chosen, Lord. We're approved and we're accepted and we're adopted and we worship you for these things, Lord. I love Christmas. I love Christmas because of why you came, Jesus. You came for me. You came for us. So I adore you this morning. I worship you this morning, Lord Jesus. Surrendering again under your truth and under your guidance. Praise you for these things. We lift this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I hope you had a great morning so far. Um, and uh, listen, uh, have a Merry Christmas. I want to cover a couple of things before we leave. The first is this. If you are interested in giving right at the back of our auditorium, there are boxes on the walls that you can just drop uh, your giving into. Or if you're online, you can also give on our website or through the app. Uh, those are just different ways that you can go about that, and we, we hope that you will. Uh, also, uh, we're, this morning, we're going to dismiss from the, f the back to the front. And so uh, you're going to see some people that are going to begin to let you go from the back. If you're in the front, just be patient. You'll get there. And I, I think I've made the corny Bible joke that the first shall be last. So we're just going to make that the case this morning. And so uh, everyone have a Merry Christmas. Hopefully we see you on Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. and the pre-festivities at 4.30. Have a great week. We love you. See you then.